Hello, this is Bill Curley. And Holly Hudley. And welcome to the podcast In Between, which is an educational offering of St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life. So welcome everyone. I'm Bill Curley along with Holly Hudley and we have a guest today, Dr. Matt Russell. And uh, full disclosure, Matt is a man I love very deeply. We are both sevens on the Enneagram. And I think from the first time we ever met, Matt, we started playing intensely well together. Is that true? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I've known you for uh, at least what? I'm 54 years of my 54 year life. I just, I don't know a time in my soul. I haven't known you, Bill. Hmm. So, um, and the first time I met you, I was like, oh, there you are. Okay. That's really sweet. So Matt, I, um, for those of you who don't know, Matt is, um, you came from Duke. University to St. Paul's. Matt's educated in uh, Cambridge, um, has taught at the university, served here at St. Paul's. Matt has a passion to do public theology. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say, yeah. Yeah. I would say Matt also has the passion for what we were just talking about, which is making good trouble. Yeah, yeah. I think that's public theology, though, right? That's exactly right. (laughs) And I want to say this. Is there any other kind of theology than public theology? That's right. Is there any other kind of theology than liberation theology? Yeah. Well, that leads me to the question that I want to ask you, Matt, and that is, as somebody who is engaged in the public arena in the way that you are through Iconoclast and a number of other programs, how do you see the future of organized religion coming out of this COVID um, period that we have had? Do you think that things will ever go back as they were? Or is the church going to finally maybe find a new way to be in the world? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I mean, I, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, <laughs> but in some ways, if I map this um moment that we are in historically over, say, a Jungian framework, it could be that we are um, on the precipice of our own kind of religious uh, experience within this um, um, moving towards the second half of life, uh, particularly Mm -hmm. in our American experience. And so within that, there is um, quite a bit of um, an undulation that comes from the bottom of, uh, of the structures that are quite disorienting to uh, to to the the corpus, the body of, of politics of, of people, and um, the I think that over the last uh, season, whether it's been through the pandemic or even before, and kind of the vitriol of both um, the election cycle and then the, um, much to do with either climate change or, or, or race or poverty or all those kinds of things that there's a, a deep desire to constrict back into control. And I think that's what we're finding is that some folks are opening themselves up to more, more mystery um, and to um, then the ability to hold 
kind of uh, a dichotomy or a paradox in more ways that opens them up. And other folks are constricting inwards into that first half of life and attempting to go back and control the way it was. Um, but I, I think, you know, um, Elvis has left the building. I, I think it's, I think, um, I think people that don't understand that the church and the world has fundamentally shifted um, um, are folks that are um, wondering um, and attempting to make it go back to normal. There's not, uh, and that won't happen. Now there'll be things that that will kind of like we'll continue to gather together. There'll be a continued, you know, um, desire to reach beyond our own kind of um, small centered self to a more expansive place. Um, you want to call that God, uh, divine presence, all those things are still within the very makeup. Um, but I think the, um, the institutions that codified those things are shifting in such a radical place and way that it's going to be hard to um, go back to normal, whatever that was. It's interesting that you say, um, use the analogy of kind of constriction and expansion. Um, the image that comes to me is breath and in every breath we're constricting and expanding mm. and constricting and expanding. And it's also kind of, um, a birth image. Um, yeah, you're very constricted in a fetal position. Right. Mm. And, and, in in the birth process, you're, you're forced into expansion. And this is kind of, um, to go back to, this idea of chaos and order, right? It's just this constant balance of holding chaos with order, of emerging from chaos, not necessarily into more order, but reforming and transforming chaos. Um, anyway, I, I, just something about that sort of constriction and expansion, I think, is our continual tension. Yeah, that's right. In, in some ways, I've gotten really um, interested in more small batch um, smaller community kind of things and larger in some ways, I think what I, uh, my emotional elasticity over the last three or four years has just gotten spun out. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like underwear that you've had on and you've owned for, you know, 10 years and the elasticity is just kind of, it's like, it's gone. It's just, you know, and, and, and so in some ways I think, you know, when I came into, both kind of religion, I thought, oh, we can change the world. You right. know? <laughs> and what I understand is that, um, you know, in a much smaller batch way, it's a collection of, of relationships that I involve myself in um, and give myself to. And those relationships then become super important. You know, it becomes, I think we're moving much more to local, having a deep global cosmos almost sense of of our placement and and the flow as my spiritual director would might say is the 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 rio bajo rio the river underneath the river we're we're, we're aware of that but where we're placed inside of that river is quite a small place and yeah. i can't change my denomination but i sure can love the heck out of folks around me and across the street and across the neighborhood and across the city and as I have cultivated those networks, I think that's the place that I'm like, okay, uh, that's the place of change, mm -hmm. right? It's easy for me to shake my fist at a TV set or a Facebook page and think I've done something. 
but to actually have to um, confront my own egoed self and enter into relationships where I'm not in dominant power is a very different thing. I'm reading this book now by Judy Canato called Field of Compassion. And this is exactly what she says that, that it, it, she gives the illustration that in East Germany, uh, before the Berlin Wall came down, there was a group of people who gathered in a, a basement of a church and they wanted to imagine what Germany would be like 100 years from now mm. when the wall would come down. And they, so they got together and started having these, these talks about compassion and imagination and that sort of thing. And there were other groups that heard of it and they started doing that too all over East Germany. And before long, the, the wall came down. And, you know, my, my hope is that if we can get groups, like you talk about small batch together who will live with that kind of intentionality, particularly to speak to and across the great divide that this country seems to be yeah. experiencing right now, that that could be a possible way forward. Sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think the vision for, for that for me comes from um, some of the work that Adrienne Marie Brown has done in um, one of her books, Emergent Strategies, where she, um, she looks at kind of um, some of the things in the ecosystem, like fractals. She'll take mm -hmm. uh, something like a fractal that, um, that is existent within a seashell, but also that same uh, pattern is existent within the Milky Way. And the connection she draws to that is the things that I want to see in the large setting of maybe um, a city or a state or a country or a globe, I have to be creating in the small places. And so if I'm talking about uh, bridging divides in the country, but I'm not doing that in very concerted efforts, embodied ways where I'm at, then really I'm, um, I'm, I'm involving myself within an intellectual exercise that has no fruit, mm -hmm. that, that really does not create a different world. And so the very things that we want to see globally, um, we have to be committed to in very small places. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, I, you and I have definitely both been influenced by Adrienne Marie Brown, probably in the same context within Curate per, per over mm -hmm. the years, but that that self-repeating pattern, right? What happens at the small happens at the large is evident everywhere in the natural world. And it's evident even in our bodies. And it's, I, I love the analogy of that. Um, whenever I feel like I can't find the answers to um, a particular, sometimes it really helps to zoom out and go, well, what's happening in this sort of cosmic or large scale? And then to zoom back in and go, I too am part of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's a, if that again, maybe speaks to that constriction and expansion that you brought up in your first comment. Um, but you do that so well, you, you create smallness in community. You create, you are, you are a participant in creating fractals and you co-create that. I should say, I think that's more apt way to describe you. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
So, Matt, what is feeding you right now? What are you doing in terms of your own spiritual practice that sustains you and gives you a sense of um, courage and uh, hope? You know, I've uh, um, I've had since um, kind of a, I guess, my own um, midlife kind of um I don't know if it was called a train wreck, what would you call it? A shit show. Can I say that on, you know, whatever yes. it is? You, you just did. <laughs> we are not in church. <laughs> the, the, in, in that place of probably five or six years ago, maybe a little longer that, that um, um, I realized that like I have an inner voice that, that is an a-hole <laughs> that is uh, can be quite mean or uh, judgmental or critical, self-critical as well. And that, um, or just a taskmaster that won't um, let me up off the, off the mat, so to speak. <laughs> and so um, um, my daily practice has been uh, to, um, to meditate and to do a, a type of form of, uh, of kind of Buddhist meditation that um, I've done for now almost um, probably seven or eight years every day. Um, if not every day, then multiple times a, a week. And um, I found that to help retrain because uh, my inner voice, I thought was the truth with a big T, hmm. you know, um, as a, as a former evangelical, um, I, I thought that that voice might have been the Holy Spirit. It was hmm. so big. And so I had to deify that voice. Now I see that's an unconscious uh part of me that um, um, really needed to be liberated um, and needed to come out of the shadows. And so I think meditation has helped me do that. Um, and so I, I do that every day or as often mm -hmm. as I can. If I stray too far from it, um, it's not good. <laughs> you know, my one of my heroes, Jim Finley, talks about what you just described is having its own reward mm. that you don't do it to get something out of it. It is when you're in the immediacy of the moment, just being open to what is, that is its oh. own reward and its own strength mm -hmm. right there. That's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I've lived in a type of non-reality so long, which is my own, like in one of the programs of recovery, they talk about, um, you know, uh, creating the wreckage of your future, you know, and my mind can do that. I can, I can run ahead in my mind. And um, one of the, one of the root words uh, in Sanskrit for meditation is, is the word to return. Mm -hmm. And so it's just to return home to this present moment. And, and it's not to enter into enlightenment or to, you know, be able to, you know, see through walls or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it, it really is just to return to this present moment. And mm -hmm. so I think my, mm -hmm. my practice um, and all of my practices, whatever those things, you know, become in, in the day um, are, are just that pathway to return to this present moment where I experience that there's enough um, and, and divine presence and um, it's okay. I'm, I'm back to my breath and, mm -hmm. And so that's, that's where it returns me to. Hmm. I've been thinking a lot about, I, I'm not sure what you just said that made me bring this to the forefront of my imagination, but um, 
this image of a ladder, right? That that is in some ways connected to time, past, present, and future. In some ways, Plato described it as a ladder of love, going from basic love to love for love's sake. Um, Lady Anne Conway had an idea about a ladder of ensoulment. Um, but but we're always in some way like in three places at once in the past, present, and future, in the yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And this kind of balancing again of returning to the moment while also being kind of like a murmuration aware of the seven things on either side of us. Um, the, and, and I'm just, what is my question around that? <laughs> my question around that is, do you find this continual tension between being in, in those three places at once or is the solace really in the, the moment or does returning to the moment help you then return to these places with more clear headedness? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think that, you know, I mean, because we are, I mean, in terms of just our own narrative construction, we can, we, we are people that can uh, make passage through those three places quite quickly. And, and we can do it almost simultaneously. You know, we can actually be in three places at once in, 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 in terms of our own kind of um, complexity of our mind. But, but, but the, the place that where of rest and oasis and that is in, in, um, in, in breath, right? And I think mm -hmm. my imagination and, 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 and some of that is also reforming my imagination outside of, um, of trauma and, um, and catastrophe. And so also, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think this is why art is so important why poetry for me now is uh, mm. so important is that it's a tool also within um, the world that retrains my imagination towards beauty and wonder right um, I think my early on a lot of us may have had um, um, types of experiences that um, wear grooves within our brainstem that really is scanning the future for some type of thing that we can ward off. And yeah. so our, we live with these cortisol, you know, levels that are just through the roof and we're anxious and, you know, and I think the, the practice of, of art, uh, the practice of, of reading poetry and even writing it um, is mm -hmm. that kind of practice that retrains our mind towards wonder and beauty. Yeah. yeah. And, and that can span past, present and future. Mm -hmm. you know, I can reach into the past for images or for experiences. I can. Yeah. But all of that really is to situate myself that in every moment, even in my life, past, present or future, divine presence has been breathing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when I hear you talk like that, it reminds me of something that Carl Reiner, uh, the theologian, yeah. once said. I once wrote about the Christian of the future will be a mystic or will not exist at all. And I would take that out of the realm of Christian and just say the person of the future, the whole person of the future is going to be a mystic. And what I mean by that is just what you talked about. Somebody who is open to unity of consciousness that doesn't divide. Yes. But that has a capacity to see the whole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the whole is the is the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? It's not just yeah, looking, it it's not a spiritual bypass. And I think so often we think that wholeness is also positivity or happiness. Um, yeah. wholeness is embracing, as you described, these neural pathways that we've that have created trauma, have created an anxious response as well. 
Uh, so Bill, you know that book, Mrs. God, that you handed off to me, the little book of poetry? Yes. <laughs> I was reading I in it last night, and there's this, um, I think God was a seven on the Enneagram also, and, um, <laughs> and she's writing like, uh, oh, I watch God breathe life into something. And before he's fully exhaled, he's moved on to the next project. And I'm still standing here breathing in anticipation of this thing that's being born. <laughs> um, and I just love that image of, of um, God being sort of a like nutty inventor, <laughs> you know, right, who kind of right. moves on to the next project. And meanwhile, Mrs. God is going, <sighs> um, and I, uh, you know, you know, Thomas Merton wrote that it's what he had very sexist language because they didn't know any better. But Thomas Merton said, you know, that what matters uh, most to the human or to man, he wrote, matters little at all to God. And the way that Jim Finley mm -hmm. talked about that is he says, imagine you die and you go up and you're right at the podium where God is letting people into heaven or not. And you go to God and you say, hey, I've got all this good stuff I've been doing. I've read all of Thomas Merton's books. And God says, who's Thomas Merton? That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just a wonderful illustration of how we take ourselves so seriously when really just what matters is showing up in the way that Matt's talking about. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. So Matt, well, let me ask you a very personal question. What do you do for fun? <laughs> I usually I usually text you. <laughs> it is now the time to disclose that once upon a time, Matt, uh, Dr. Curley gave me a prank to play on you, knowing that um, it was so when when you moved to Chapelwood and your offices were no longer within a floor of each other. Bill hands me this small prank package and said, I had been saving these for Matt. When you have a meeting with him via iconoclast, et cetera, could you put one in his office? <laughs> do you remember these, Bill? They made noises. I do. There was one that was like. I, I had forgotten all about it until now. Did you do that? Well, I had every intention of doing it, but the I didn't see Matt then for in person for almost a year because right. COVID, we were meeting on Zoom with Iconoclast. Um, and it's only been very recently that we've returned to in-person meetings. So when I took them out to take to your office to play this prank on you, I found out that all the batteries were dead and kind of acidified. In other words, they couldn't be replaced. It was very disappointing. But um, so I'm just going to insert Bummer. this <laughs> into this relationship. I, I was to be the, the continuation of that, um, that foil that you all are for That's one another. Awesome. <laughs> Well, when Matt was at St. Paul's, he would change the picture on my iPhone. He would write on my sermon notes. He would do all sorts of things. I just figured it would be helpful to pay back. Well, I got those things from Amazon. I think they were called Anoitrons or something like that. Something like I'll that. order them again. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think for fun, I, it's, it's, I'm pretty simple. I mean, I like to spend time with friends. Um, I take I like to take walks with friends, and uh, walk my dog. Um, I uh, I love music, and uh, love to both 
um, create it and listen to it. Uh, I, uh, now that the weather's getting a little better in Houston, I love sitting out back in my backyard and reading and uh, just being a part of, you know, watching the, the colors change in the sky. Um, I, um, I love to travel. I, you know, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, like you said. So I love to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up for what's next and where we're going, you know? Um, and, uh, and because the way I've often dealt with trauma and grief, I also love to laugh. And so mm. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons you and I connect, you know, deeply bill is that we both like to get to deep places, but it, I, you know, I'm cracking jokes at a funeral, you know, and so that's the way I'll deal with my, you know, uh, you know, uh, or even in pastoral care, you know, finding those kinds of things that at least bring, you know, um, a joy even to a moment or a, a space of breath into a moment. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Finley has that think- incredible ability to um, Bill and I often recall his laughter as a source of um, healing because he has also had such trauma in his life, but he's able to kind of be playful. And um, I, I, I affirm that about you as well, Matt, this, this ability to sort of bring the laughter and the energy into a room is a real gift. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, uh, you know, there is something about that profound ability to uh, just enjoy yeah. the process of being alive and to be willing to live knowing that we don't have control over the next breath. That's right. And uh, that's, that's okay. I think that's one of the things that marks the kind of people that I really um, respect and look up to is that they know that disillusion is part of who they are and they're not afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a long time to, to get your hands off yourself to, to be able to do that though. Right. I mean, yeah. you got your hands around your own neck, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it takes a long time just to, to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. What's well, interesting that as we sort of, um, we have a few more minutes here, but as we sort of come toward this, that we are beginning middle and ending with breath, right? <laughs> this kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's everything. Um, the other, there's this, this other image that I think you brought up, which is water. Um, and the, 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 we talked last week about sort of the properties of water, the baptismal waters, the transformational property of water and to become like water is also to erode the very, very hard structures that wedge us, that lie between us, you know? Um, and I remember our dear friend, Bill went saying, you know, you can sort of dig 10 wells, five feet deep, not really get very far, or you can dig one well, 200 feet deep. And there is where all the waters run together Mm. and just trying Mm. to find our place standing in that water where everything runs together. It reminded me of what you said, the river beneath the river. Yeah. I think, but that's right. That's right. 
That's right. And there's, there's, um, and that's been, that image has really helped me um, to, to, as, you know, as both of you have said, and Bill, you mentioned that deep, that unitive aspect of, 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 a of what we're summoned to, I think, as as human beings into this larger field, this larger space, and that we're we don't bend the river, we are in the river, and it's it's moving towards, I think, towards grace. I think the whole thing is grace, you know. Right. Um, and and there's not a darn thing we can do about it, you know. Um, it, and so I think there's a part of us, part of me, that's learning how to play in the river to, to enjoy, to, to feel a deep sense of joy in it. And I think, you know, um, like, like kids finding a stream that, you know, we start throwing water on each other and laughing. And, you know, I think there's a part of, of life in that river where that, that is, that's a spiritual practice is play and laughter. Mm -hmm. So crucial, Mm -hmm. you know, I think so much of our management systems, um, are in trying to keep that, you know, anxiety or whatever at bay. And I think laughter and joy in community with friends is probably the best antidote to all of that. So Holly and I have been um, doing this teaching out of the Gospel of John, basically basing our work on um, John Shelby Spong, who sadly died a few weeks ago. Actually, he died probably while we were talking about him yeah. in ordinary life. It was just such a weird experience. I'm so grateful I got to meet him mm. and, and John Sanford's work. And um, the Gospel of John is a metaphor. It's a parable about a new community coming into being yes. at a time of great divisiveness, at a time of great conflict for those people. And that's one of the things that I hope that we can contribute to is a sense of a communal transformation. But the point that that the gospel, the writers of the Gospel of John, that Sanford, that Spong, that oh, I, I can't think of a teacher I've had who hasn't said that in order for the communal to become a reality, the individual needs to do her or his own work. And um, I, I took some study time a long time ago with a Jungian analyst by the name of our Progoff. And Progoff said, I've never forgotten the way when we were in the classroom and he said that he, he said this solitary work, we cannot do alone. Yeah. Oh, I, and I thought, wow, yeah. that says it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, they say it a little more crudely in that um, um I remember someone saying that my mind is a dangerous place. I should never enter into it alone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I mean that that sense in that you know whether we we've got to bring it is my work to do, but I I I shouldn't enter into that work of my soul alone. In fact, it's deforming to try to do that, and right. it just creates more ego. The only, uh, we only ever know ourselves in right. relation to other mm-hmm. beings. You know, yeah. if we do not have a mirror, uh, right. we don't we don't know who we are. And I mean that yeah. metaphorically. But there's also David Abram also talks about knowing ourselves, and and he uses this beautiful word. I love this word conviviality with all mm-hmm. other beings. You know, yeah. 
okay. know the wolf by what it sounds like. Anyway. <laughs> All right. I got, I got to share this image I got from Jim Finley. Uh, Finley says, imagine that you're standing in front of a full-length mirror, looking at your image in the mirror, and that your image in the mirror has developed a consciousness, and that uh, the image in the mirror says to you, you know, I've been with you a long time, and uh, but without your knowing it, I've read a lot of books. Um, I've, I've uh, gone through a lot of psychotherapy. And uh, I, I think I can make it without you. And you say to your image, I don't think this is going to go so well for you. And, and the image says, no, I, I can, really, I can do it without you. So you step outside the frame just a little bit. And your image has a panic attack. <laughs> and I have to get back into therapy. <laughs> and Finley says, that's what we are to each other. We don't exist without each other, but we yeah. think we can. Yeah. That's one of the sad things I see going on in our culture, people pulling back and saying, I don't need you. I don't want you um, to hell with you. I can make it without you. And we can't. We can't. Mm -hmm. There's no way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole, the whole gospel of John, I mean, the root of that is the word becoming flesh, the logos, Yeah, you know, this embodied sense of love mm -hmm. and, and even drawing on that that same kind of you know that Hebraic understanding that there's no humanity outside of co-humanity, mm -hmm. you know, and right. we've talked about this before, Bill. That the first problem in the the story, uh, the biblical story of of creation, wasn't sin that had to be overcome. It was solitary individualism. Yeah, it was a uh, uh, Adam, the earth creature in um, without a, a corresponding self, he wasn't a person. Right. And even the word human is not used until there is a counterpart, mm -hmm. you know, um, until there's another, Oh, this is flesh of my flesh. Right. This is what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And we forget that. Like that. No. So. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for I'm your so time. Grateful for y'all. <laughs> oh, I love you guys I, so I love much. You. I love both of you. It's just, <laughs> I love you. I'm glad we can play together. Will you come back on again sometime? Oh, anytime. Okay. Anytime. All right. Anytime. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> love y'all. <laughs>